Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broadcasting from deep within the heartland of free America, where liberty still shines bright, you're listening to On The Move with Mac Worley III. Hello, MacPack. It's great to be back with you for another exciting episode of On the Move with Mac Worley. I, of course, am your host, Mac Worley III. First and foremost, we're starting a little late today. I apologize about that. Uh, but we have a lot of information for you this show. Today's show is titled SCOTUS and Trump Care. This is episode 164 of On the Move with Mac Worley. Today's featured topics, we're going to talk about the Congressional Budget Office, how they've released a report on Trump Care. I also want to talk about uh, a few different uh, Supreme Court decisions that have uh, came out this week here, and uh, we're going to be talking specifically about the travel ban, about something uh, pertaining to uh, gun rights uh, that uh, they've they decided not to, to, they basically denied the appeal on it, uh, and I'm going to talk about that. It has to do with how... Um, how they treat uh, people who have uh, been involved in misdemeanors with guns. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, also, I want to ask a question. How is Neil Gorsuch doing so far? What's what's been the uh, the outcome of picking Neil Gorsuch? Is he, is he doing good so far? Is he doing bad? We're going to talk about it. Uh, then later in the show, we're going to talk about what the effect on Seattle's, uh, Seattle, Washington's minimum wage hikes uh, actually are. What are uh, the effects? And we've had enough time to see what's happened with the minimum wage up there. So I've got a couple articles we're going to read from all of that. And uh, also feel free to bring your voice along here. If you have anything that you'd like to say, please feel free to join us. The number to the show is 360-450-5625. Again, that's 360-450-5625. You can also message us on Facebook.com slash on the move show. Feel free to like us on that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at On The Move Show. You can message us there as well. Uh, we'll read your tweets if deemed worthy. And uh, also, don't forget to check us out on our website, onthemoveshow.com. You can uh, listen to the podcast there. You can also listen to the podcast on Spreaker.com slash On The Move Show. Uh, we broadcast every Monday and Friday. Uh, didn't do it last last Friday, but uh, we got a lot of stuff to, to catch up on. So we're going to be playing catch up today. And... Uh, Let's see, we broadcast uh, every Monday and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's 5 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time for those of you out there on the West Coast. And uh, let's see, uh, oh, you can also uh, subscribe to us on YouTube.com slash on the move show. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention uh, that we have a shop on our homepage on onthemoveshow.com. Please feel free to check it out. We got original design t shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, phone cases, all that good stuff. If you're interested, Check it out. If you're not, don't check it out then. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's go ahead. And uh, I would actually love to hear from you guys on this one. Uh, we're, I'm going to 
I'm going to talk about this when we come back from this commercial break. Uh, but there was a, uh, a woman who was kicked out of a, this is a private pool uh, for wearing a quote-unquote inappropriate one-piece bathing suit. So uh, this, <laughs> this doesn't seem newsworthy, and when I first read it, I didn't think it was. Uh, but the, the take from these people uh, who, who were asked to leave is, is mind-numbingly ridiculous. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you guys on this. Give us a call, 360-450-5625. Again, 360-450-5625. We're going to talk about that when we get back from this break. You guys don't want to miss what's coming up next. Have you visited the On The Move with Mac Worley store? We've got amazing original design t-shirts, hoodies, cell phone cases, and coffee mugs for sale at onthemoveshow.com. Just click the shop link on our homepage. You won't want to miss out on the iHeart Open Carry and Bear Arms t-shirts for only $20 plus shipping. Again, just go to onthemoveshow.com and click the shop link on our homepage. Your purchases will help make the On The Move show bigger and better. We appreciate your support. Are you an activist who needs affordable flyers or brochures for passing out literature? Or a political candidate who's looking for business cards, logo designs, yard signs, or vehicle decals? Email me, Latasha Worley, for all your graphic design needs at latashaworley at gmail.com. That's L-A-T-O-S-H-A, Worley at gmail.com. And don't forget to mention On The Move to get a 10% discount on all graphic design services. Oath Keepers is a nonpartisan association of current active duty military reserve, guard, veterans, peace officers, and firefighters who will fulfill the oath we swore. With the support of like-minded citizens who take an oath to stand with us to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. So help us God. Join us at OathKeepers.org. Broadcasting from deep within the heartland of free America, where liberty still shines bright, you're listening to On the Move with Mac Worley III. There are a lot of teenage boys in this complex, and you don't need to excite them. This is the beginning phrase in this, uh, this article on Mike.com. Titled, Woman Kicked Out of Pool for Wearing Inappropriate One-Piece Bathing Suit. Okay, this is this is really not that controversial, but uh, they've made it to be so in this article here. Let's let's read on. Uh, that's what 20-year-old T- uh, Tori Jenkins says. She was told by a leasing consultant at the Smoky Crossing Apartments in Seymour, Tennessee, after being forced to change her bathing suit, cover up, or leave the apartment complex's pool. According to a viral Facebook post by her fiancé, Tyler Newman. Uh, I have never really witnessed sexual harassment and or rape culture until today 
with smoky crossing apartments. Newman wrote after the incident Tuesday. Today my fiance was told that she is less important than how men feel around her. That Tori is less important than a man's urges to be sexual towards her. According to Newman, he and Jenkins went to the pool at the apartment complex where they live with some friends. After roughly three minutes at the pool, he says Jenkins was accused of wearing a thong bathing suit and told there were complaints about the way she was dressed. She then went to the apartment office to address the complaints, where the leasing agent, who was not named in this post, instructed her to look at her body in the mirror and told her that she would not want her kids around Jenkins. The consultant told Jenkins that her body was, quote, too inappropriate end quote, uh, for children to be around, Newman said. This is how rape culture continues to grow, Newman wrote. I've never even seen my fiancé embarrassed to the point where she can't even look at her best friends in the face. I've never seen her cry like she did in our apartment today. Never seen her want to be isolated like that, all because some ignorant assholes, excuse my language, uh, think that uh, think that they can police the size and shape of her body. Uh, I've never seen a woman so disrespected. This is uh, this goes on. So, um, first of all, let me, let me just give you my take on this. Right, this is a uh, this is really a non-controversial thing. Uh, it, I mean, for for property rights, it is. It, first of all, if you owned a business, all right, and make no mistake, an apartment complex is a business. Uh, you have every right. Uh, to dictate rules about what people can wear in your establishment or on your property. This is a property rights issue. This isn't about this woman uh, being, you know, forced to to change her her uh, her bathing suit or being you know uh, slut shamed or sexually harassed. Or this isn't part of the rape culture. What what the hell does that have to do with rape culture? Uh, First of all, I, I would think anyone. <laughs> this is this is my thought process uh, process on this, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would I would assume that anyone who has actually been raped would be very offended by this. Uh, you know that this to me is the equivalent of what what we see. You know, uh, people complaining about uh, things that are microaggressions. This is not this is not discrimination. This is not sexual harassment. This is not rape culture. The the woman was wearing something that people felt was inappropriate. Okay, they complained to the to the establishment. The establishment happened to agree, uh, and they they said not to wear that. This is private property. They can do that. That's their prerogative. Uh, I happen to be a big supporter of private property. Uh, now, if this was public property. And as you know, as long as she wasn't uh, violating any kind of decency laws or anything like that, I don't have any problem with her wearing what she wants. And in fact, uh, you know, if if you're in public and you don't like what somebody's, you know, wearing or what they're saying or how they look in any way, you have the freedom to leave. You have the the freedom to leave that location. And likewise, the people who were offended by this, they had the freedom to leave as well. However, the private company decided that they didn't want this woman wearing what she was wearing at the pool. You know, they may have been wrong, but that is totally their right to do that. I'd love to hear from you guys. Let's see what you guys had to say about this. Kelburn says, uh, teenage boys from a certain middle region. Uh, apparently the, the people who, uh, 
who are feeling uh, offended by this. You know, I, they don't say anything specifically about um, where they're from, but I get—I mean, I get what you're saying. Uh, Sean, he says uh, they're teenage boys. <laughs> they get excited when the wind blows. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, but, but you know, I, I personally. I don't. I really don't think this is a big deal. If you don't like this, then don't go to that pool. That's. I mean, it's pretty simple. You you have the ability to. And if you really don't like this, uh, the smoky, uh, was it smoky crossing apartments? If if I'm remembering that right, yeah, smoke smoky crossing appointments. If you don't like that, then move. Don't live there. You you have you have the freedom to vote with your feet. All right, so uh, if you have anything to say on that, please feel free to give us a call. The number of the show is 360-450-5625, 360-450-5625. You can get us on Twitter, at On The Move Show. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and move on. Feel free to message us on that. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the uh, the primary uh, feature topic here. This is one of the ones that I really want to get to today. Uh, the Congressional Budget Office releasing a report on Trump Care. We're going to go ahead and play a clip real quick about this report, and uh, we're going to talk about this in a second. Clip's loading. And this is ABC World News Tonight with David Muir. Hey, good evening. I'm Tom Yamas, in for David tonight. And we begin with that breaking news from Capitol Hill tonight. The Senate's plan to repeal and replace Obamacare, facing an uphill climb. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell aiming for a vote by the end of the week. The president sounding optimistic, but there is resistance from a growing number of senators from their own party. Resistance, too, at town halls and protests around the country. Just today, this die-in in Bloomington, Indiana. And tonight, the Congressional Budget Office predicting that the plan would leave millions more Americans uninsured while raising premiums for some of the most vulnerable. ABC's Mary Bruce starts us off tonight on Capitol Hill. Have you made a decision? No comment right now. With the pressure mounting tonight, Republicans are scrambling to negotiate. Do you think you're going to get to yes? I'm trying to get to yes. Keep in mind what the real choice is. It's the Republican bill that has a lot of good things that should satisfy a lot of Republicans or Obamacare. This is the art of the possible and the art of the uh, I love how they, they try to make this a binary choice. It's either this steaming pile of dog crap or the one that you currently have. Which would you rather have? Well, you don't want the steaming pile of dog crap that you currently have. Why don't you try this steaming pile of dog crap? But I digress. Getting 50 votes. Tonight, the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office reveals the Senate health care bill would leave 22 million more Americans uninsured over the next decade. 15 million more uninsured next year alone. While some young people could see their premiums go down, according to the CBO, a 64-year-old making roughly $57,000 a year could see their annual premium rise by nearly $14,000. Obviously, it's not good news. Other Republicans will likely... <laughs> Uh, obviously, that's not good news. <laughs> that was uh, Senator John McCain uh, with his uh, his pithy analysis. Point to the potential savings. The deficit would plunge $321 billion by 2026. Republicans can afford to lose just two votes, but already five say they cannot support their own party's... All right, so, so those five that uh, can't support this, this is according to uh, ABC News. This is... Um, Senator Ron Johnson, Senator Rand Paul, Senator Mike Lee, Senator Ted Cruz, and Senator Dean Heller. 
this bill. Five more have voiced serious concerns. One of the biggest sticking points, the bill's plan to slash spending on Medicaid by $800 billion. I'm also very concerned about the Medicaid cuts and what it means to our most vulnerable citizens. Today, Republican Senator Ron Johnson warns those hardest hit will be those working class Americans President Trump calls forgotten. Unfortunately, the forgotten men and women remain ignored in both the House and Senate bill. And that's why I'm trying to press Candidate Trump promised not to touch Medicaid. Save Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security without cuts. Have to do it. He recently called the House version of the bill mean and says the Senate bill needs to have more heart. See, that to me is, it's very ridiculous that, it, first of all, he's, he's pushing for more heart in the bill, which means, you know, more... More handouts, essentially, more free stuff, more government paying for things. And what that means is more you paying for things, more me paying for things, more us paying for health care for people who cannot afford it. Yeah, I mean, that's great for them, but it's redistribution of wealth. What about property rights? Uh, how is it constitutional to take my money and give it to somebody else? It's not. It's really not. That's why Supreme Court had to do some very, uh, some very, um, gym, uh, basically some gymnastics here with uh, with the wording. They had to say, oh, you know, it's either a fine or a tax, uh, depending on how you look at it. All right. I don't think they're that far off. You know, famous last words, right? But I think we're going to get there. Mary Bruce joins us now from Capitol Hill. So, Mary, President Trump just said it. He thinks they're going to get there, and he's been working the phones as well. But where do things stand right now? Tom, the president has been reaching out the vice president too. Republicans insist they want to get this done this week. But tonight, it's unclear how they plan to get the votes. And if they don't, today the president tweeted that perhaps they just let Obamacare crash and burn. So right now, the, the plan for the GOP is to try to shove this thing through on Thursday. And they really are trying to accomplish this on Thursday, because if they don't, then they'll enter into the 4th of July break. And based on precedent, based on what we've seen in the past, the longer that legislation is out there, the the more time there is to build pre, you know public uh, pressure against it, and the less likely it is for that bill to be passed. Uh, this has been a recurring theme that we have noticed throughout uh, throughout uh, our, our history. Here is that the longer that the bill is out, the less likely it is to get passed. So they're pushing right now to get it done as fast as possible, so opposition can't be built up against this. And uh, it's essentially more of the same. I mean, this is this is what I remember. I told you last week that they were going to do this crap. First of all, it's it, I told you that there ain't no fixing our healthcare system because they're not looking at the real reasons it, that you should be fixing or the real real things that we should do to fix it. Like just repeal, let the free market take over. Uh, instead, it's repeal. Oh, and now suddenly this whole thing from the election started uh, replace, repeal and replace. So we didn't hear about replace for quite a long time. It was just repeal. And then suddenly replace started, you know, weaseling its way into the conversation. And now we have to have our own damn plan. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's so essentially what they've done is they've uh, they've cut some of the taxing mechanisms of Obamacare. They've. 
really they've they've essentially guaranteed that if they do pass this uh this this system will collapse uh in a, a expeditious fashion because that what they're doing is is they're they're keeping many of the same uh structures of obamacare they they're essentially keeping obamacare intact except they're taking away the funding mechanisms of this program which again i think that both these programs programs ought to collapse. I think we ought to repeal them. Uh, and I know it's going to suck and I know there's going to be pain as a result of that. But uh, I, I don't I don't support these kind of programs. I don't uh, I don't think that, first of all, redistribution of wealth is constitutional. Uh, second of all, I don't think it's fair. Third of all, uh, I don't think it works. And essentially what ends up happening is from the moment of its inception, these programs are on a uh, a track towards insolvency that because these programs always grow and there's always more people reaching for more money out of your pockets and eventually you you run out of other people's money to give so the issue here is several fold uh we we don't need a replacement plan, but yet we have one. Uh, but they're and they're taking away these these taxes. First of all, they're talking about removing the mandate. Uh, they're talking about doing uh, a, a whole lot of things to basically uh, make it so that the, they're not bre- they're not taxing as much. Uh, they're trying to cut taxes at the same time. But the problem is, is that that's this is how this program funds itself. And if if you start taking away the methods that Obamacare was funding itself, uh, then it's going to become insolvent and and buckle under its own weight. And that's that's exactly what's going to happen with this. And it's going to happen much much faster than it would with Obamacare. However, now and I'm hearing this oddly enough, you know, you're hearing the, the narrative from the left that uh, Trump is doing everything in his power to sabotage Obamacare. This is what they're claiming. Now that uh, it, that he's doing everything that he can to actually take Obamacare down, uh, but they disagree. It's it's odd that they that they can do this. It's a it's kind of a an interesting dichotomy because they, in one hand they claim that uh, Obamacare is fine. It's not it's not going towards insolvency. It's not on its way towards collapse, uh, as Donald Trump has been saying. Uh, they they want to disagree with him on that hand, but then on the other hand they say well if it does collapse it's going to be all his fault and because of the things that he's doing that are that are making it more difficult for obamacare and again it, uh, you can't have it both ways either either it's fine or it's not fine if 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 it's on if it's on a way towards a collapse uh, you can't blame first of all you can't blame republicans uh for this program's collapse. Uh, first of all, Jonathan Gruber himself, the architect of Obamacare, has already said that it was a Trojan horse. The whole point of Obamacare was to move us towards single payer, where the government pays for everything. Your health care will be considered a right, and the government divvies it out to you. Uh, uh, you know, if, if you're deemed worthy, I suppose. But anyway, let's go ahead and read some of this article here. CBO estimates that 22 million more uninsured by 2026 under Senate uh, under the new Senate health care plan. So this is an article um, written by Mary Alice Parks and Adam Kelsey, uh, written today, June 26th, 2017. And the article reads, the Congressional Budget Office estimates that 22 million more people will be uninsured by the end of the next 10 years under the Senate Republican health care plan that under current law 
with 15 million more uninsured persons in the next year alone. The number, which is only a slight improvement from the CBO's estimate of the health care bill passed by the House of Representatives in May, comes in the office's analysis of the Better Care Reconciliation Act, a draft of which was released last week. The act, which faces opposition from Democrats and concerns from at least five Republicans in the Senate, enough to block its passage, could further result in a reduction of the cumulative, uh, cumulative, excuse me, uh, federal deficit by 321 billion by 2026, largely due to cuts in Medicaid spending, according to the CBO's report. A decrease in uh, spending in Medicare estimated by the CBO to be a 26% cut by 2026 compared to projections under the current law was a point of contention for a number of senators when the draft of the plan was released last week. The, de- the decrease would result in a 16% drop in enrollment for the government-funded program, according to the CBO. A rollback of the expanded Medicaid programs that exist under current law in some states would hit, peop- uh, would hit uh, the group of people earning just above uh, the national poverty line the hardest, the CBO estimates. So, yes, uh, very, very interesting stuff here. And, of course, you're going to hear the, these kind of calls. Oh, you're going you're gonna to cost you know, this many million people their insurance uh, anytime you start talking about changing health care. And, uh, I, you know, I was reading a, uh, a post by Mike Lee, today and he was talking about how his you know the, how we should be experimenting in our health care and the best way to do that is not one federal one size all solution we should be trying to local uh, come up with local options trying to leave this to to the states and the individuals to come up with what works for them uh, because like everything else uh, it works best when we leave it to the individuals uh, and, and the lowest level possible so that we can experiment and see what works, see what doesn't work. Uh, if if some liberal state wants to have you know the single payer throughout their whole state, that's on that state. Leave it to the state. Leave it to the individuals to decide. Uh, I like the idea of the government getting out of healthcare altogether. Uh, personally, I'm not a fan of government getting between you and your doctor. I mean, just just really, I want you to think uh, how much how much does it cost to get an X-ray? All right, when you went in to to go get your last X-ray, did you know how much it was going to cost you? If you asked the X-ray tech, how would they know how much? No, no, they wouldn't. So so who would know? And and why is healthcare so flippin' expensive? Because no one knows what anything costs they can charge you whatever they want and and the fact is is that this disconnect between you and the price is what causes this to go up and what allows and not necessarily causes it but what allows it to go up cuz nobody knows what anything costs nobody knows what the true cost of anything is so personally i i'm i i really do think that we ought to just you know, to try to repeal this, but I mean, it's not going to happen. The, again, I, I, I told you, I told you last week, th- there ain't no fixing this because they have no interest in, in repealing in a true repeal of universal health care. They have no interest in it. The Republicans are really only interested at this point over who uh, who gets to to, to 
to be the ones to make the the plan. They want to they want to put their stamp on it, which it doesn't even I, it blows me away that they would even want their names as, attached to this. This is not going to end well. The legacy of this will be that this plan crashed and burned, and again the the the, the Republicans are going to own it. Get ready, Republicans. If if you're not aware, you're going to own universal health care. You're going to own Obamacare. You're going to own the eventual march towards single payer. So, congratulations. If this passes, you're going to own it. You know, it, it's unfortunate. It, it's it's really unfortunate that we have feckless leaders in Congress. They they pass or they keep trying to do these mock repeals of uh, of Obamacare for the whole time Obama's in office. They're trying to they're trying to repeal Obamacare over and over and over again. But when it comes down to it, they have no interest in doing the right thing. Again, it's it's not about them having an opposition to this uh, to Obamacare. It's about control. It's about power. That's all it will be. They're even doing the same exact tricks that the the Democrats did. And, and you know th- they're hypocrites on both sides. All right, the, the Republicans are play- They played hide the ball with the with this bill for they they did it in the you know back rooms and all that. They, they didn't make it public. They didn't allow Democrats involved in the process and said that the Democrats weren't interested in, in being a part of the process. Very much, you know, I can understand their point there because you know they've been uh, oppositional, you know, but. Uh, we can. Com- I'm old enough to remember when we we complained about the Democrats, you know, saying that we had to pass the bill in order to see what was in it. Talking about Obamacare. I'm also old enough to remember when we didn't appreciate the fact that the Democrats shoved Obamacare down our throat without a single Republican vote. I'm old enough to remember that. I'm sure you are. <clears throat> so it 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 surprises me when I hear uh, people. Like Democrats now talking about how they're upset, first of all, that we're doing the same thing that they did to us. <laughs> it seems like very, um, uh, very uh, unself-aware. You know, they're they're not very aware of of their of their self or what they're doing. But I, I think many of these people they they know that they're hypocrites on both sides. You can't possibly not know that you're being a hypocrite. But Another thing that they're doing, same exact thing that the Democrats did, is they want to delay the the effects of these things. So they want to have like a delayed response or a delayed enacting of some of these aspects of it so that you know, it doesn't affect until like 2020, 2026, things like that. Uh, that way they're they're well past the the you know the repercussions is not going to look bad on them at that moment. Again, uh, the the fact that 22 million more people will be uninsured uh, by 2026 as a result of this plan, uh, I don't I just don't understand wh- what could you possibly have to gain as a, as a senator right now. What can you possibly have to gain by voting yes on this? You're you're going to have this giant boat anchor, anchor hanging around your neck, uh, and and this is going to be on you. You're going to own universal health care, which will fail, and it's going to lead us to single payer. 
you're going to be blamed for costing 22 million Americans insurance, and you're not even going to do it right. Look, I, I can I could understand if this many people were losing their health care uh, because we're transitioning to a free market due to a full-blown repeal. But we're not actually solving the problem. I, I, I have no issue whatsoever with hardships and pain that we're going to have to go through to fix this problem. Because in the end, things will be better. Costs will be cheaper. Your premiums will be reduced. Because of competition. Not because of anything the government did. Just the government got out of the way. The government got out of between you and your doctor. That's how things will get cheaper. The government getting out of the way. So, I just I don't understand why anybody would vote for this. But uh, I'm I'm going. I got to tell you, uh, I I ha- have a lot of faith, and I'm hoping that uh, that it's not misplaced in Mike Lee, Ted Cruz, and Rand Paul. I don't know much about Ron Ron Johnson, but uh, Ron Swanson. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much about Ron Johnson. I believe he's in Wisconsin. Uh, but I'm hoping that he, he's going to do the right thing too. Uh, if if those four, <coughs> uh, I think I think they actually only need three of the four, say no on this, then the bill will die. And I, from what I understand, conservatives uh, in the Senate are trying to push for a delay on this, and so that we can go through the July Fourth break and uh, and have more time to 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 digest this and, and things like that. Uh, from what I understand, both the Democrats and conservatives are actually calling for more time. Uh, but Senator Mitch McConnell, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's saying that's a mistake and he doesn't want to do that and they're pushing for Thursday. So we'll see if this vote actually is, uh, is tabled for later on Thursday of this week and we'll discuss that on Friday uh, on the next podcast. So I would really love to hear what you guys have to say about this. Please feel free to give us a call, 360-450-5625. Again, 360-450-5625. You can also get us on uh, at On The Move Show on Twitter, and we'll read your tweets live on the air if deemed worthy. We're going to go ahead and cut to our uh, next commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into these uh, recent Supreme Court decisions, and we're going to talk about uh, their decisions on some gun stuff and uh, on, on the travel ban. And how is Neil Gorsuch doing so far? You guys don't want to go anywhere. We'll be right back after this break. Have you visited the On the Move with Mac Worley store? We've got amazing original design t-shirts, hoodies, cell phone cases, and coffee mugs for sale at onthemoveshow.com. Just click the shop link on our homepage. You won't want to miss out on the iHeart Open Carry and Bear Arms t-shirts for only $20 plus shipping. Again, just go to onthemoveshow.com and click the shop link on our homepage. Your purchases will help make the On The Move show bigger and better. We appreciate your support. Are you an activist who needs affordable flyers or brochures for passing out literature? Or a political candidate who's looking for business cards, logo designs, yard signs, or vehicle decals? Email me, Latasha Worley, for all your graphic design needs at latashaworley at gmail.com. That's L-A-T-O-S-H-A. 
Worley at gmail.com. And don't forget to mention On The Move to get a 10% discount on all graphic design services. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, pledging my life, my fortune, and my sacred honor. So help me God. Join us at OathKeepers.org. Broadcasting from deep within the heartland of free America, where liberty still shines bright. Oh, it looks like uh, my intro died on me here. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but we'll just press forward from here. Anyway, thanks for sticking with us to the break. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our next feature topic here. I want to talk about the Supreme Court uh, uh, rulings here, some of these decisions they made. Uh, the most recent here is the, uh, the travel ban here. So let's go ahead. This is an article on hotair.com. SCOTUS reinstates travel ban. Mostly we'll hear case and fall. All right. So let's go ahead and dive into the meeting this article uh this by the way this article is written by jazz shaw it was posted today june 26 2017 and again that's hotair.com it's going to be a long day of supreme court news folks so buckle uh so buckle yourselves in oops sorry give me a second i gotta pop up there there we go uh so bu- buckle yourselves in uh one of the most hotly debated decisions we were waiting uh for dealt with president Trump's widely contested travel ban. Yes, at this point, I'm just saying travel ban for convenience. Call it what you like. Originally slated for uh, slated to take effect shortly after Trump's inauguration. Two versions of the order have been put forward and then sum, uh, summarily halted by both the Fourth and the Ninth Circuit Courts of Appeals. SCOTUS found at least five members, and I'm sure you can guess which ones, to dis- disagree with the lower courts and have largely reinstated the ban while agreeing to hear the case in full this fall. CBS has some early details. Uh, The Supreme Court has decided to hear arguments on President Trump's travel ban affecting citizens of six mostly Muslim countries and will be argued in October. The justices met Thursday morning for their their last regularly scheduled private conference in June and probably took a vote uh, then about whether to let Trump administration uh, uh, to let the Trump administration immediately enforce the ban and hear the administration's appeal of lower court rulings blocking the ban. The court had decided last uh, decided before last week, after which the justices will scatter for the summer for speeches, teaching gigs, and vacations. Uh, this wasn't a blanket acceptance of the order because there are a few expect- exceptions to the ban being specified. Primarily, if an immigrant from any of the six nations has a credible claim of a bona fide blood or legal relationship with someone in the United States, they will not be subject to the ban. The legal relationship portion of the exception doesn't just apply to marriage. One example given is that... Uh, is that of a person who already has an employment agreement in a place allowing them to legally travel here for work, in which case they may be exempted from the ban also. 
you can read the full judgments. Uh, they have a link there on the article. But the section where the exceptions are delineated is summarized in this bit. There's more than you can read at the link. Having adopted this view of the equities, the court approved injunctions that covered not just respondents, but parties similarly situa situated to them. That is, people or entities in the United States who have relationships with foreign nationals abroad and whose right, rights might be affected if those foreign nationals were excluded. One point which may be argued later is the question of whether, uh, of when and how the Supreme Court, being the judicial branch, can actually modify or rewrite an order from the executive branch. Certainly, they can accept it or shoot it down on constitutional grounds, but can they add in new parts and subtract others? Seems a bit dodgy, but that's a debate to be had in the future. The case, well, you know what? Uh, let's actually talk about that now. Uh, it didn't seem to stop them from rewriting Obamacare. They've uh, essentially turned that into SCOTUS care. So, you know, they're able to rewrite it. Again, the judicial branch is able to rewrite legislation. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I get why not just give them the ability there to to do uh, the executive orders too? Well, sure, why not? Uh, apparently, we're just giving them all the power in the world anyway. Oh, and by the way, uh, just in case you all were wondering, uh, you know the ability of judicial review where they can determine if a law is constitutional or not constitutional. Yeah, that's not even in the Constitution. They 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 don't actually have that power expressly given to them by the Constitution. They took it. Uh, feel free to look up the case, Marbury v. Madison. It's It'll blow your mind. They don't actually even have that ability. The Supreme Court sees that power for themselves. Uh, nowhere in the Constitution. So, my, why, why not? Let's just get, let you know what, let's just get rid of the other two branches and just put these these nine judges who sit on the court for life. Uh, and, and, you know, they don't ever have to go face an elector or anything like that. Um... Yeah, let's just let them decide everything. Let's, you know, screw these other branches. Let's just, how about we just appoint a king? Wouldn't that make things so much easier if a king could just decide everything for you? Right. So anyway, uh, the case will be heard this fall, and we expect a final resolution before Christmas. But for the time being, this is obviously a major victory for the president. Still... Uh, I'm left with a couple of nagging, and this is the author here saying this, I'm left with a couple of nagging questions which I brought up in the past, primarily for those fighting against this order. First and foremost, we, are we really debating the power of the president to make decisions regarding access to our borders and national security? It seems that this was the case in lower courts, and now it's been rejected at the top level. Second, and perhaps this comes off as a bit too cynical, but let's keep in mind, when this order came out originally and the scope of it, it was supposed to be a six-month ban. If you just let it go through, it would have expired a couple of weeks from now. And this is the point I've mentioned as well. Uh, anyway, the author continues. But as things stand, the clock has been reset. As for the White House, the six-month ban was supposed to allow you to review the situation, as the president said so often on the campaign trail. Figure out what the hell is going on. You've had nearly six months already. Have you figured it out? And if so, are there any permanent changes to enhance security in terms of travel and immigration, which might do away with the need for a temporary ban by the time this thing gets in front of the justices this fall? Inquiring minds want to know. So, first of all, I'd love to hear from you. 360-450-5625. Again, 360-450-5625. You can get us on Twitter at On The Move Show. All right, so... 
yeah, this is actually uh, a great point. First of all, I I think this is an important case for the Supreme Court to hear because uh, this this is talking about what our president can do regarding national security. Does the president have this ability? I I think so. It's in the Constitution. Uh, I don't understand wh- what the what the issue here is. And there's there's precedent in the past for this that the president can absolutely ha- you know make decisions about who can cross our border and and especially decisions concerning national security. <clears throat> so so that should be pretty much a no-brainer and as this author points out and I've, I've mentioned myself uh, we should have already been at the end of this temporary ban you know the, the whole idea was that we needed this ban so we could figure out what the hell was going on as he said uh, that we've had that whole time let's say the ban went through alright the temporary bans gonna be over here pretty soon if if it would have went through right when he got in right when he did the the executive order and if that was the case we should have had time. It, it, to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot. The actual stopping of the uh, of the immigration, the halting of immigration, doesn't make a whole lot of sense at this point. What what have you been working on? Uh, if if you're not able to, if you're not going to take this seriously, our national security. If you're not taking this seriously enough to be working on a solution now, then I, I don't trust that you're going to do do anything when you actually do implement the ban. What's the point of this ban? <clears throat> I personally don't think that, we'll, you know, again, at this point, I don't think it's actually uh, probably necessary. I think they could have already come up, spooled their, their engines up and tried to figure out what is what, what they can do. How, how can we stop bad guys from getting into the country? How can we increase the scrutiny that we're giving to, to people who are coming in here from terrorist places, places that are known to harbor terrorists? What can we do? How can we how can we fix that? We should have already been talking about this. We should be talking about that rather than the travel ban at this point. But I digress. So let's go ahead and talk about another Supreme Court decision here uh, this is the the freebeacon.com or I'm sorry freebeacon.com the Supreme Court denies uh, appeal leaves pro-gun decision intact a case dealt with whether or not uh, nonviolent misdemeanors affect your Second Amendment rights this is written by Stephen Gutowski. Gat- uh, Dated today, June 26, 2017. Supreme Court of the United States declined to hear the appeal of a gun rights case on Monday, leaving a lower court's decision which restored gun rights to those who had been convicted of certain nonviolent misdemeanor crimes. Binderup v. the U.S. Attorney General dealt with whether or not certain nonviolent misdemeanor offenses should result in a lifetime revocation of that offender's Second Amendment rights. De- wow. Daniel Binderup, who played guilty to Mr. Misdemeanor uh, corruption of a minor for cons- a consensual affair after he engaged in with the 17-year-old girl in 1996 and Julio Sorez who was convicted of a misdemeanor for carrying a gun in his car without a license both lost their gun rights despite <coughs> committing nonviolent misdemeanor crimes and never serving any time in jail. They filed separate cases contesting the relevant federal law, and their cases were eventually combined into 
won at the Third Circuit Court of Appeals in Pennsylvania. The court ruled in favor of the plaintiffs on Monday. The Supreme Court rejected an appeal of of the finding, leaving the lower court's ruling intact. The petition for the writs of certiorari, if I'm saying that right, probably saying it wrong, are denied. The court said in its order, Justice Ginsburg said, Justice Sotomayor would grant the petitions for writs of certiorari. <laughs> I can't say the word. I don't know what that is. Uh, anyway, uh, neither Justice Ginsburg nor Justice uh, Sotomayor expounded with written dissent of the decision to deny the appeal. The Second Amendment Foundation, which backed Bender up and Soros, praised the court's decision. While we were confident that our case would once again prevail before the Supreme Court, we're delighted at the High Court's decision that allows our victory uh, in the Third Circuit to stand. <coughs> okay, so let's see here. What else we got? Oh, yes. Uh, how's Judge Gorsuch doing? Uh, got an article here. This is 538.com. 538.com. Article written by Oliver Roder and Harry Inton. Uh, and this one is uh, June 26, 2017 as well. Uh, <clears throat> By the way, the article is titled, uh, Neil Gorsuch is paying off for Trump so far. Uh, Neil Gorsuch's first term on the Supreme Court's adjourned for its summer recess on Monday, although the rumors of Justice Anthony Kennedy's retirement did not come to pass. <coughs> the court didn't make big news. It agreed to hear a case involving President Trump's travel ban while unanimously allowing the ban to take partial effect. In the meantime, it also issued a ruling of a religious liberty case, agreed to hear another's on the rights of businesses to deny service to same-sex couples and decline to carry a case on carrying guns in public. Um, Beyond the cases themselves, the decisions shed further light on Gorsuch, the court's newest justice whom Trump nominated in January, who took the bench in April. Gorsuch wanted the court to go even further in allowing all the travel ban to go into effect. And this and his other decisions, Gorsuch has paid dividends for Trump more than perhaps any other move the president has made. Gorsuch, 10 weeks in, has been one of the most conservative members of the high court. That isn't necessarily surprising. When Gorsuch was first nominated, we, we called him a likely Scalia clone based on his lower court record. But it was far from guaranteed. Other justices, such as David Souter, ended up with a far more liberal record on the Supreme Court than court watchers expected when they took their seat. Gorsuch, in fact, may settle to the right of Scalia. In each of the 15 cases he's weighed in on so far, Gorsuch has sided with the court's single most conservative member, Justice Clarence Thomas. More than that, he's joined every concurring opinion that Thomas has issued so far. That is, he didn't just agree with Thomas on the outcomes of the case, but also with the reasoning by which those outcomes were reached. Of course, Gorsuch's Supreme Court tenure is in its infancy, and some justices have become more liberal while on the bench, but the cases uh, Gorsuch has seen so far have covered a wide menu of topics, including same-sex marriage, the right to counsel, patent infringement, and citizenship. And two of them, Davila v. Davis and California Public Employees Retirement Systems v. ANZ Securities, Gorsuch's vote was pivotal leaving the final tally at five votes to four. The first of, of these dealt with a blow to the death penalty opponents, and the latter makes it more difficult to file certain class action claims. Gorsuch's ascendance to the court has been 
one of only a handful of outright policy policy victories for Trump, although we cannot know how Gorsuch will rule on other issues. So, first of all, it does seem like Gorsuch was a good move, and I'm very happy about that. Again, this is one of those things where I will do, I'll, I'll praise Trump when he did good, I'll admonish him when he does bad, he's done good in this situation, so good Trump, good Trump. Um, but again, uh, I don't believe in the hero worshiping uh, like the the guy in Iowa that said uh, to Ben Sass, if you're going to be critical of Donald Trump, you stay on your side of the river. Don't come into Iowa. Uh, I, I don't think that we're that kind of country. Uh, I, I, it blows me away that that anyone would say, don't come into my, my state if you don't like X, Y, or Z. That's not, that's not, that's not what we do here. Uh, this is not uh, some uh, banana republic, um, although we're, we seem to be heading that direction. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we we're actually running out of time here um, for today's show. But I just wanna I wanna cover one last article here. This will be the last thing that we got. Uh, the the minimum wage. This is an article on townhall.com. Uh, the article was titled Settled Science on Minimum Wage Basic Economics Again Rudely Intrudes on Liberal Dreams This is written by Guy Benson Again posted today June 26, 2017 uh, Whenever the left pushes for sharp increases in the minimum wage Which uh, intrinsic populist appeal intends, uh, intends to poll well Conservatives argue that such plans would kill jobs Stifle entry level opportunities And end up hurting many of the very people That it was ostensibly meant to help Liberal Liberals' rhetoric about the minimum wage does not align with the data. Critics contend, citing evidence about the types of workers who actually seek and fill those positions. Many respond, in turn, with slogans and smears. It's time to give America a raise to end starvi- starvation wages and promote fairness. They claim attacking mean-spirited and greedy opponents for protecting the rich at the expense of the poor, which brings us to Seattle's hard-left city council. Home to such lovely characters as this woman... Deciding in 2014 to ignore pleas from business community and hike the minimum wage within their jurisdiction to $15 per hour. The left celebrated the right brace for impact. The new law took effect two years ago and basic economics has now rendered a verdict. Seattle's $15 an hour minimum wage law has cost the city jobs, according to a study released Monday that contradicted another study published last week. A University of uh, Washington team, by the way, uh, none of these studies have been peer-reviewed yet, so just to give you a heads up. A University of Washington team studying the law's effect found that the law boosted pay in low-wage jobs since it took effect in 2015 but it also caused a 9% reduction in hours worked, the Seattle Times reported. For an average uh, low-wage Seattle worker, that's a loss of about $125 per month, the study said. If you're a low-skilled worker with one of those jobs, $125 a month is a sizable amount of money, said Mark Long, one of the authors. It can be the difference between being able to pay your rent and not being able to pay your rent. There would, uh, there would be about 5,000 more low-wage jobs in the city without the law, the study estimated. Five thousand dollars more. So I'm sorry, five thousand more jobs as a result of uh, minimum wage. They would have they would have had five thousand more jobs if it was not for this minimum wage. And these people, you know, actually getting this, uh, people actually receiving minimum wage in Seattle are not. They're they're now working nine percent less hours and making one hundred twenty five dollars less per month. Okay. 
you take that into account, but you also have to take into account the fact that prices are going to have gone up at the same time because everything's going to cost more money to produce because you have to pay these people $15 an hour or so. Uh, in the years covered by the study, uh, 2015 and 2016, the minimum wage was at uh, at most $13. There we go. So it's going up depending on business size, worker benefits, and tips. In other words, even before the full $15 per hour mandate was phased in, thousands of jobs were killed and low-wage workers' hours were significantly reduced, taking money out of their pockets. Behold, the Aham Wages of Fairness, a rival study conducted by a progressive pro-union organization, was commissioned by the Seattle Mayor's Office after a preliminary data from UW's respected nonpartisan team of economists appeared politically unhelpful to the city's policies, predictably, declaring the move a big success. Unsurprisingly, it is being criticized as bought and paid for propaganda. Its liberal authors are counterattacking by alleging the more the, the more credible study by mainstream economists is methodologically flawed, drawing this strong rebuke. rebuke. Uh, we, when we perform the same exact analysis as the Berkeley team, we match their results, which is inconsistent with the notion that our methods create bias, one UW professor noted. It turns out that when you raise the cost of creating new jobs and sustaining existing ones, fewer jobs are created, and employers find ways to stay in business. Hardest hit are the low-skilled, would-be workers looking to get a foot in the door, as well as low-income workers whose hours were slashed after the government artificially mandated a spike in their hourly pay based on the data uh, uh, based on the data, the harm outweighed the benefits. So, uh, the article continues. You can feel free to read more of this at townhall.com. Again, that's townhall.com. And, uh, you know, I would love to hear what you guys have to say about this. Hit me up on Twitter, at on the move show, facebook.com slash on the move show. Let, let me know what you think about this. I'd, I'd certainly love to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, you know, and as far as where I stand on this, uh, personally, you know, this isn't a surprise. When this happened, we, we said that this w was going to happen. We said it was going to cost people jobs. It was going to cost people money. People, the, the hardest hit from this was going to be the low-skilled laborers. And look, I'm not one to say I told you so, but, you know, this seems like an appropriate... I told you so. Typically, I'm I'm above uh, you know saying I told you so, but you know in this situation it does seem appropriate. So one more time. I told you so. Oh, I told you so. All right, just had to rub that in a little bit for uh, those uh, minimum wage proponents. Anyway, uh, that's our show for today. I certainly appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you, MacPack, so much for tuning in week after week. You're the tip of the spear. I really appreciate your continued support. Don't forget to check us out at our website, onthemoveshow.com. Click the shop link. Buy stuff if you want to. Don't if you don't. Uh, please feel free to uh, follow us over at uh, spreaker.com slash onthemoveshow. Uh, that's where our, our podcast is uh, broadcasted from. Uh, you can also listen to it on our hub, onthemoveshow.com. So feel free to check that out as well. Uh, and follow us on uh, Twitter, at onthemoveshow. Like us on facebook.com slash onthemoveshow. Subscribe to us on youtube.com slash onthemoveshow. As always, know your rights, assert your rights, get on the move.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.